It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. A lot of brilliance on this program. Damn right. A lot, mostly coming from this microphone. Oh, okay. Lots of brilliance. See, then you got to always do that. Do what? Got to make it about you when you can't just support the show. I supported the three of us. Supported, the, three uh, of us. Isn't I, that a song? I supported the show first. Yeah, and then you go and you could have just left well enough alone right there. There's no fun in that. Uh, the ESPN 97.5 Summer Circuit returns this week, returns tomorrow. The Killer Bees and the Summer of the Bees and the Wheelhouse are headed to the Kima Boardwalk for a live broadcast this Friday. We hope to see you there broadcasting from inside the pizza oven. Hopefully it's a place. And Galaxy Adventures Party Room. Come hang out with your favorite ESPN 97.5 host this Friday and all summer long on the ESPN 97.5 Summer Circuit. Might get as hot as the studio for inside the the pizza oven. I can't wait. Hopefully... Um, it'll be a good time. Hopefully, Joe's going to be there, too. Like we, a lot of times we're on remotes. We're like, where's Joe? I'm like, well, he's back, you know, wearing hats at... You know, the palatious gal media Trotting building. down the hallway to see, let inter- interns in on the second floor. Doing everything but listening to the bees from noon to three. But taking um, full credit for being their producer. But he'll be there tomorrow. He'll be there tomorrow. So if you don't, if you've seen enough of Blankers, you've seen enough of me, we understand. Joe George will be there tomorrow. The, the true star of the Killer Bee. See what I did there? I, yeah, I you can give compliments Joe. to him. Tell the truth. <laughs> crap on me. There you go. Joe got it right. I tell the truth. Mm-hmm. I do nothing but tell the truth. Okay, Joe. It's two days in a row. Trade deadline's coming up on August 1st. Keep in mind that the reason that the trade deadline is August 1st is because they want it on a very specific day. I heard some people saying, well, they moved the trade deadline back to create more activity. No, they didn't move the trade deadline back for one day to create more activity. They want the trade deadline on a very specific day of the week. They're going to continue to do this going forward. That's why it's on August 1st. They want the deadline on a Tuesday afternoon. I don't know why they chose Tuesday afternoon, but Tuesday is the day for the trade deadline, August 1st. I um go ahead. I was just trying to think if that's a getaway day before they start another series or usually what not. The significance is Tuesdays, I, Tuesdays are very busy weird. in baseball. Tuesdays and Friday and then weekends are the busiest days in baseball. Yeah, Thursdays and Wednesdays are normally the the getaway days and the days off. I think it's something to do with the news cycle because Mondays Maybe. are very like congested and busy. Like you have a full weekend. weekend. Yeah. yeah, so I think Tuesday is kind of a quieter day around like the sports news cycle and they want to dominate a Tuesday afternoon news cycle. I think that's, that's what real. it's for. That's my theory at least. And I've been terribly wrong on my theories. But um the trade deadline, you know, Dana Brown, we we, we want to we want to improve a lot of the positions, starting pitching, left handed bat, reliever, but he said if he could only be held to one, he had a gun to his head, you can only be held to one, it would be starting pitching. We talk a lot a lot. You and I, every show on this station, every show in this city, every mm. show in this country, Shohei Otani to insert whatever team that you root for. To be honest with you, those moves usually aren't the moves that pushes a team over the top. I did a little bit of a deep dive yesterday since there is no Astros baseball. Here are how the last five real World Series champions handled the deadline. I did real because the Dodgers in 2020 Fake. were not the real right. World Series champions. So Astros, 22, Braves the year before that, Nationals in 19, Red Sox in 18, Astros in 17. Do you remember how the Astros used the trade deadline yesterday to their aid? Some would say it didn't help you a whole lot, to be completely honest with you. Three-way trade yes. that landed you Trey Mancini. You sent out Jose Siri in that trade. Well, you right. might have lost that trade well, he's if we're being completely honest. Yeah, he's, he's hitting a lot of bombs. He's hitting like two thirty. Yeah, but his defense is his defense really, is really good. elite. And he, yeah, those bombs were not something that I saw coming. Would you play Jose Siri or Chaz McCormick though? I think I'm Chaz. 
Chaz. I think I'm Chaz. Really? Yeah. Both of you. Siri, Siri hits bombs, and he plays really good defense, and he's athletic and fast. He still hits 230. Like, it's, you know, he's better than, I'll give you better than Myers, though. But anyway, three-way trade, they got Mancini, they sent out Jose Siri. Not a splash, right? They also traded for Christian Vasquez. Can you name the two prospects the Astros traded for Christian Vasquez? I dare you. Nope. Emmanuel Valdez, Willier Abreu. Who? And then they traded Jake Odorizzi for Will Smith. Three trade deadline moves last year. That was kind of a salary dump more than anything else. You traded, I mean, Valdez and Abreu, I looked them up, are having decent years in AAA, but they're 24-year-olds that are playing in AAA. The Astros did not make a significant, let's call it a splashy move. I think they were significant. Mancini, defensive play. At the time, we thought they might be splashy. For sure. For sure. Vasquez, oh, is he going to be the everyday starter? I will say there were significant moves. Those are certainly not splashy moves, though. But they were bigger names that were on the market. Uh, They were able to reel them in. We disappointed to find out after they made the trades that they were just insurance policies. And that's how they were going to treat them. But it all were all well that ends well. It worked out for them at the end of the day. It's just they were bigger names on the uh, on the trade market. Mm. A lot of people were looking at Mancini. A lot of people were wondering. Looking at, but like big names last year at the deadline, like Josh Bell had a bigger name than Trey Mancini. Oh, no, I get that. But the Astros were in on that for quite a while, too. They were in on those conversations. Didn't do it, though. Right. Didn't and, do and it, in though. retrospect, looked like it was a good move. They didn't do it. 2021. Now, this one's kind of interesting because Dana Brown was with the Atlanta Braves in 2021. A lot of people look at Atlanta and be like, oh, this is what Dana Brown's going to look like as a general manager, which I think is quite frankly unfair. Like, how often do you do every action of your boss? How often do you copycat everything your boss does? I don't think Dana Brown's going to be exactly like Metropolis in Atlanta. The, the Braves had a very busy trade deadline in 2021. Remember the story of the World Series in 21. The Braves rebuilt their outfield at the deadline. They had the injury to Ronald Acuna, right. who wasn't even playing. The Braves at the deadline did nothing splashy, but helped their team tremendously. They traded Bryce Ball, who, to the Cubs for Jock Peterson. That was helpful. They traded Pablo Sandoval. Yes, that Pablo yeah, Sandoval. Not a prospect. That Pablo Sandoval. They traded that Pablo Sandoval for Eddie Rosario, who was who big for them, won the NLCS MVP. He's yeah. still helping them out a lot. So, like, a lot of people say, well, the Astros system's no good. They're not going to be able to acquire anybody good. The Braves got the NLCS MVP for the Kung Fu Panda. They also traded Alex Jackson to Miami for Adam Duvall. That was helpful yep. for them. And then right before the deadline, they traded Casey Kallick, who was he, to Kansas City for Jorge Soler, who was the World Series MVP. Nothing here was splashy. Super significant, rebuilt an outfield, got an NLCS MVP for a veteran that was way over the hill, and got the a World no-name Series prospect hero. for the World Series MVP. Yep. Not splashy, significant. Nationals in 2019, we skip right over the Dodgers, they're not real champions. The, Dodger, the Nationals in 19, they traded Kyle Johnson, who, to the Blue Jays for Daniel Hudson. Daniel Hudson had a 144 ERA down the stretch, pitched in nine playoff games, and got the final three outs in Game 7 of the World Series. We'll mention who they beat. They traded Elvis Alvarado, Aaron Fletcher, go Cougs, and Taylor Gilbo to Seattle for Hunter Strickland and Ronas Elias. Who? Those guys actually didn't even help no. Strickland and Elias, that trade was insignificant. But Daniel Hudson, not splashy at no. all, but super significant. Yeah. Red Sox in 18. They traded Jalen Beeks to the Rays for Nathan Eovaldi, who was not really a popular name at the time, had a 426 ERA with Tampa Bay, and was coming off Tommy John surgery. They got Eovaldi for Jalen Beeks. They traded for an oldie in Kinsler. He didn't really help them down that much. And then they traded Santiago Espinal to the Blue Jays for 
Steve Pierce, who is an unlikely World Series MVP, not splashy, super significant. 17 Astros. I don't want to mention this one. They traded Teoscar Hernandez and Nori Aoki to the Blue Jays for Francisco Luriano. Probably a trade that they lost. Yeah, probably they wish they had that one back. Probably a trade they lost. Didn't not, not necessarily a significant trade, not a splashy trade, one they got wrong. The splashiest trade of the last five World Series champions is the final one. It's trading for Justin Verlander in a trade deadline that no longer exists. So we see a lot of this commentary when it comes to MLB trade deadline. Trade for Otani, trade for Marcus Stroman, make a splash. Quite frankly, the best moves that a team can make ahead of the trade deadline isn't the splash. It's the ones that are going to help your team that aren't splashy. They're significant moves. They help out the bottom of your roster. They might be an an insurance policy at first base. Those are the moves the Astros need to make, not trading for Shohei Otani. Well, that's where you really got to rely that Dana Brown knows talent, knows the league, and knows the guys like like Luno used to know. You know, when, when Luno used to pull guys that you'd say who at the time and then realize either short-term or long-term, these guys were unbelievably good fits that did great things for the Astros. I mean, I, I look back at some of the, the moves that, you know, Luno was able to make, and, and it's kind of what you were talking about, where at the time you weren't real sure if they were going to be the right kind of fit or what they really brought to the table. By the end of it, you were thinking, you're lucky stars, you had Jeff Luno as your general manager. You hope Dana Brown is that same kind of guy. He knows talent. He evaluates talent well. His track record with the Braves, very good in terms of what he was a part of and the young players that they not only got, but got to play at a high level and then locked up. This isn't even about locking up at this point in the year. This is about finding guys on teams where you can go and poach them and they become, they blossom while they're under the Astros umbrella. And that's what you hope he's able to do. They help you, right? Like they're a left fielder that you bat eighth. That's a platoon option with Corey Jolks. And he hits a big home run in a game six of a World Series. Like that's why that whenever we put the, the trade candidate list together yesterday, the Killer Bees wish list. Like there's some guys on there that oh, this this is boring. Like Ryan Noda, this is boring. What if Ryan Noda is the dude that you you're getting some DH starts for against right-handed pitching in a critical playoff series, and it comes through with a big hit? Like I don't want the splashes. I don't want the show haze. I don't want to ruin my minor league system for three months of a non-guarantee. Find me the players that are going to help. This Cheap is, too. This is why you're also on board. Whether it does, it doesn't sound right at the time, it doesn't sound salacious and juicy and exciting and sexy when you hear insurance policies. But say you're in a series like you were talking about and Yuli has an injury like he had at the end of the World Series. Yeah. And suddenly you're going, well, who's going to play that position? Where do we have someone that's capable of doing something like that? And then all of a sudden you go, oh, that's right. Dana got someone at the deadline that could play corner outfield and could play first base. And he ends up with either a big hit, a big, you know, a big home run or a big play defensively. Trey Mancini was even able to make the, de- the play defensively. But you remember the play. Sometimes you don't even remember all the things about the player. But it's like finding this year's Dubon in the regular season for the stretch run in the playoffs. A guy that's capable if someone goes down or you need to plug and play a bat or a glove that can do what you need to do better than what you have currently. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. I have seen, thanks to RJ, the first Rockets win total. For the 2023-24 season, it comes from DraftKings. 31 and a half wins. Are you taking the over? You taking the under for the Rockets next season? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. 7.5 and 92.5. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights. But they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. 
from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. I made some Dodger fans mad. Don't know if we make honey, but I think we made some Dodger fans. They're in their fills a little bit. Key from L.A., our good friend. Uh, sorry about the layoff. He says, so you guys cheating is a real championship. Everybody was cheating, including the Dodgers. Look at Cody Bellinger's numbers. They Look at Mookie Betts' year, numbers Keith. in 2018. Uh, 337 area code. What is a 337 area code? Is it, is it Louisiana? Lafayette, Lake Charles, Leesville, New Iberia, Opelousas. By the way, Key, both the southwest you were the number Louisiana. one seed again last year. How'd that work out for you? Okay. Thanks being the Utah Jazz of the playoffs, except for a fluke year. Good job. <laughs> Louise, Good on you. Louise, south, uh, south uh, do we say southwestern? Southwestern Louisiana. So if the Astros would have won the 2020 World Series, you wouldn't claim it? Three question marks. Unbelievable Homer radio. We're being called homers, blankers. Which and called worse. Sometimes we're called. Sometimes people think we're too critical of yep, the Astros. Yes, they do. Think people that. think we're too critical of Dusty. We're too critical of uh, the Cuban baseball players for the Houston Astros. I got called a racist for for saying Jose Abreu and Yuli Gurriel have stunk the last two years. So that's, that's why this show is. You can tell we're doing it right. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. most people think we're too nice to the Astros, and then like yeah. the other half people think we're too mean to the Astros. Mm-hmm. Homer Radio, Jake said I have orange goggles. The I, I called a racist because I tell it like it is. So Wait, Jake said that? That was a long time ago. Okay. It was like that, Don't yeah, give me yeah. that. that dynasty conversation. But uh yeah, you're right, Joe. I think I think we're probably doing it right. You have some yeah. people calling us racist, you have some people calling us homers. We're it's like when everyone okay. it's like when Joe Buck's calling a game <laughs> and both fan bases hate Joe Buck. Something's going right for Joe Buck. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like if the Dodgers fans and the Astros fans think Joe Buck's being a homer, he's probably not. If both people hate you, you're probably doing it right. <laughs> yep. Uh, Day one, Donna wants me to say that town, Louisiana, again. I don't know how to say. It. You want to take a shot? Opelousas. Opelousas. That how you say it? I don't know. I'm not from Louisiana. They probably have good crawfish. There, I'll tell you that. Maybe some good boudin, some good crackling, some jambalaya, some gumbo. So I, I little yesterday, cayenne pepper and a little lemon. Give me some. So Give me. I love it. Yesterday, I, I relearned. I did some more digging. I think we talked about this off the air. I think we talked about it on the air. But you can't sell or own crawfish in Illinois. Can you eat it? What in the hell is with that? I don't know. Can you eat it? It's all these Midwest states. It's like Minnesota, Illinois. Can you eat it? I noticed you no. didn't say Wisconsin. Well, I guess, I mean, like, yeah, like, could I fly crawfish from Houston to it's Illinois? Kinda like, it's kind of like the driving drunk trick. Like, I had, a, I had a buddy. I won't say his name. He was, he was a little intoxicated. And he got out at the grocery store and went doing, did a little shopping. Did a little shopping at the grocery store. Got busted him, but wasn't driving. He wasn't driving, so he didn't get a, he didn't get a Dewey. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think he got a PI, but he didn't get a Dewey. So, just saying. Like, is it one of those things in Illinois when it comes to crawfish? Yeah, because there was rumors that Coach O was going to be interested in the Northwestern job. I saw some people say, does he think that's Northwestern State and Natchitoches? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Cats. Natchitoches, the, uh, the oldest town in Louisiana. Can you see Coach O at a high-ranking educational institution? Coach O at Northwestern is one of the funniest things I can imagine. No way. (laughs) No freaking chance. It is like the furthest from like a a fit you could find on the planet. Now, he might might try and pull from Rush Street and invite him to practice, but it ain't the same. Hmm. 3177 just brings up a great point about the crawfish in Illinois. He says it would be an invasive species in the Midwest. That's why it's illegal. That's a great point. Why? Because they don't want crawfish don't want growing Midwesterns up in their mud. To like start really getting into it and like it. 
I guess. But, this is dumb. It would, it, but it tears up like farmlands. Like it, it, I'm pretty sure that they raise crawfish in flooded rice farms. So it probably has something to do with the farming in Illinois. I bet you that's what it is. It might be antiquated. It might be old. No, but I bet you it's because of the farming. It's because they're invasive, yes. 100%. Wow. It's a $195 fine, Class 3 felony. How much? Or It goes from $195 fine up to a Class 3 felony. To be honest with you, it's probably cheaper to <laughs> eat crawfish in Illinois than it is to eat crawfish a lot of places around here. You give me 10 pounds of crawfish for that fine? That's Dude, probably better than 10 pounds of crawfish at some of these restaurants down in Houston. They've been bumping the prices. Exactly. That might be cheaper. They've been bumping the prices on everything lately. Inflation. They're finally starting to come down after inflation. They said on, uh, on meat in the end... Uh, that's supposed to start more being, being more frequent in the next three weeks. Where did they say that? On the news last night. I think said meat. Meat prices is, are going oh, to start to come prices. down. Oh, meat prices. That yeah. sounds great. I love Good. meat. Yeah. Meat's fantastic. <laughs> Drop these steak prices a little bit, please. Everybody seems to know that they're invasive and that they destroy that's the crazy. environment. Like, I just heard it, and I'm like, why? Like, Everybody's just, texting us this. Well, right. We have dumb brains, or I have a dumb brain. I won't say we. Yeah, don't rope me into your crap. That's, now, I, now, that's why I'm looking yeah, at you when I'm I backtrack. Now I'm your buddy all of a sudden. You're always yeah, my now, buddy. Now we're teammates. Get we are, here. We're a team. Yeah, three of us are a team. Some of us have different roles. Two just like to crap on one. That's fine. That's not the case. I get crapped on all the time. Dude, I get dumped on for like exactly. shows at a time. Do you not see that? Junior Bronco doesn't count. Do you not that's see? By you. We, by you. We both oh, crush. Do you, you not see that? Do you, you deserve it. I deserve it. He deserves it. You do see that we dump on Joe, right? Like more than any, I've never been dumped on this much in my life as oh, a producer. Stop it! Look where you came. You from. do see that they though, right? Loved me. You do see that we do dump on Joe. Like you're aware of this, are you? I know I do from time to time. I get okay, bullied right. on this just make, show. Just making sure that you're aware that we do bully Joe from time to time. Uh, Eight nine two four Ricer and Ivy League school should hire coach. I want him to be in. Look, Bloom Bloomgren. He's doing a fantastic doing job. A really good. He's job. doing a really good job. That Rice football team's good. But if, if he were to move on, take a bigger job, Coach O at Rice would be entertaining. Again, though, with that institution of higher learning, I don't know that Coach O is going to get the kind of players and run the kind of program the way he wants to run. It, if you know what I'm saying, they're not. They don't do it. They don't really love their. I don't know if he'll ever coach again. Honestly, I don't think he will. Bloom, I think he'll be again. We might see him on the in an NFL some capacity. But the big Coach thing O, that, yeah, as an as a line coach. A lot of guys will. Travis Johnson will tell you as a line coach, he was he was really good. But I think his biggest thing is he's a great recruiter. I just don't know if a university is going to bring him on with some kind of, you know, foo foo title to be you know, a recruiter. He doesn't strike me as an NFL guy. Well, but I, you know what, Bruce Biel, I mean, uh, Bielema didn't think I didn't think he was an NFL guy, and Belichick bailed his ass out and put him on the Patriots staff until he got the next job. Bielema strikes me as like a, a high. High IQ X and O's guy, though. I don't think like he is. his running system, like the way that they run the football. Like he strikes me as a pretty sharp X's and O's guy. I hate to say it, Coach O doesn't strike me like a huge. No, you're right. X and Coach O kind of guy, does he? Like, do you think he's like scheming up stuff? Like, I don't think so. I think Bielema does, though. By the way, on the Bloomgren situation, don't sleep on Rice this year to be sneaky good. Right, they got a lot of talent, and it's probably going to be for a year or two. But what they did with uh, quarterback, uh, with uh, JT uh, Daniels, uh, JT Daniels coming, and then you've got uh, the McCaffrey, one of the McCaffrey boys, Luke, playing wide receiver. They got some talent on Rice this year. Yeah, they have some talent. We play them at their place. Oh, do you? Road, yeah, okay. yeah, we play them. Um, the Rockets over under. I might yeah. get a free hotel out of it. Mm-hmm. Quiet room. That uh, sounds like a pretty good idea. Uh, the Rockets win total right now on DraftKings. 31 and a half wins. 
Are you taking the over or are you taking the under? 31 and a half wins for the Houston Rockets next year. Since we already set ours a little higher, and regardless if we were on different sides of that one, we're both probably on the, on the right side of this one, which is over. I think that they're going to win more than 31 and a half. I, I, I said that they'd win around 35, 36 when it was set at 36 and a half. So I'll stay true to my word. I think they win more than 31 and a half. I still don't think they win more than uh, 36 at, at, at best. But I don't think that that is any way, shape, or form a negative. I think that, yeah, this phase two, as Tillman said it, and Udoka has been talking about it, is something that I don't blame Rafael Stone for staying away from. Because as good as they've done at stockpiling young talent to some degree and now adding free agency to it, getting some good players, I don't think that they're good enough. But when you look at the progression from last year to this year, if that's what they get, that's good on them. I think that is phase two. Like, Phase 2, they said starting to win. Tillman's version of Phase 2 also included either the play-in or the playoffs. Yeah, but he's that was like, a little he, more grandiose. It was like, learn about... He also said, like, learn about winning. Did like, he mention like, playoffs? remember to, like, At how to win. At one point, I believe, it was either play-in or be playing competitively playing for yeah. play-in. But, look, like, I mean, next year? 35 yeah. is he competitive for the playing game. Yeah, I think so. We did the averages was, I mean, the other 40, day. It was 40 wins was the last team in last year. I remember we did the what averages. 40, 40 and 42 was the last team in, for in the Western Conference in the playing game. The last, so 10, years, right the wow. last 10 years of 10th place in the Western Conference is under 37 and a half wins. I was going to say, 40 seemed high to me. The, the t- if you want to take the top five of those 10 years, the average of the top five in the last 10 years is just over 40. So, like, the best five years of the 10th seed of the last 10 years, have been a shade over that t- 40 wins. That shows you how good the West was at a certain point, too. Yeah. They were absolutely loaded. They were, they had all the best teams in the league, with the exception of like maybe one or two in the East. I, I tried to I tried to make this play, this bet today. I couldn't over. do it. I, I, my, my bookie still doesn't have it. I can't oh, bet really? DraftKings in Houston. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't place this bet today. Yeah, like I, I, I'll go over 31 and a half. I raced to my book to, to place this, and it, wouldn't, it didn't have win totals yet for the NBA. I don't know. Are they counting play-ins as playoff bets? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Are, they're not counting the playing games as like, will the Rockets those make the playoffs this season. year? Those officially aren't playoff teams. No. Those yeah. officially aren't. Because those teams that lose go in the lottery. I think those stats go You're away. Right. I don't think they count either way. I don't think they count as a regular season game, but I don't think they count as a playoff game. It's just interesting because like looking at like 2021, 22, that season, the Clippers were 42 and 40, but they lost in the playing tournament, so they were technically not a playoff team. Mm-hmm. But the Pelicans won at 36 and 46 and were the eight seed. So oh. it's like... 31 yeah. and a half wins, though? I'm taking the over. I think that's a slap in the face I tried all to, that they've done. I tried to place it. I couldn't bet it. King of Twitch says, always take the under with new players and coaches. King of Twitch does not like Houston no. sports, though. King, here's the deal, buddy. Hates it. You got a better coach with a better system, and you got better players besides just the young players. You got Fred Van Vliet running the offense, and he's going to make he's going to facilitate on both sides of the ball. They're going to play defense, period. That's something that they have not even figured out or fathomed in the past. So... They're going to make progress, and progress is going to be seen not only how when we watch their games, but when we see the win total, and I think that they'll be over 31.5. 713-780-ESPN. Over, under 31.5, DraftKings right now. Bad Tag Boulevard, every Thursday at 1.30. Who made the list? We have two ESPN 97.5 personalities that made the list. Who made the list? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. So many bad takes on sports. What do you do with all of them? Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the killer bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over for all eternity. 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 What's that street? 
Bad Take Boulevard. We have a great list of Bad Take Boulevard this week. We were going to play some of the audio of Bad Take Boulevard, but some tweets have been deleted. <laughs> Lance Erline, as you know by now, I am sure, he made the list. I think it's the first time Lance has made the list of Bad Take Boulevard. Used to be you know, a perennial NFL draft guy. Now he might be the... The, or what is it? The preeminent, preeminent draft expert. Preeminent draft expert. He might be a preeminent member of Bad Tag Boulevard going forward. Uh, he suggested that the Astros should trade Jordan Alvarez and Christian Javier for Shohei Otani. I think if you asked him if he'd like to have that one back to do over, I think he would at this point probably say yes. The tweet has been deleted oh! that had the audio that we were going to play for you. Now, Lance says in full context that he said that they were working on the parameters that they were going to give Shohei Otani a contract extension of, I, I can't remember the exact deal. I think it was like 95 for 5 or something like that, which is also yeah. kind of bad takey. Um, a lot of bad takes on this one. I can't believe they deleted the audio. But he said, yeah, you know, Jordan, Javier, Shohei Otani, make it happen. And Lance has been fighting the internets ever since. Yeah, and look, I would entertain it if it came with a guarantee Otani contract. Would you? I wouldn't. I would not either. Not even close. Not for what you got Jordan wrapped up for. No way. That's going to nope. be the bargain of all bargains. No matter if he doesn't play one of those years, of, you know, close to a full season. Yeah, you get enough of him that you're getting him at such a great price. Everything else is cake. I, I, I just. Ten times out of ten, I say no to let's, that. Let's not forget Javier's on a pretty good contract, too. Now, Javier might contract, scare you a little, little bit worried because about, of yes, his recent the, success. Whether, I hope it's just a little dead arm that comes back. Yeah, if Javier gets back to being Christian Javier, we all hope that he does. Javier's contract is also very team-friendly. Jordan, very team-friendly contract. Six years, $115 million. Jordan Alvarez's AAV, his average annual value is less than $20 million. He's arguably the best player, the best hitter in baseball, and he's making less than $20 million. That is a steal. And, like, if you're talking about, you know, Shohei, what do we think Shohei's going to get? AAV. 60. 55 to 60. I think 60's minimum. Unless he goes... really? I, I... if he wanted it, yes. I could see him doing like a 50 AAV for like 12 years. Uh-huh. I could see him doing like a really, really long-term deal and do that. But I think he's easily if, – if he was seeking AAV over anything else, I think he gets at least 60, maybe 70. Well, you could argue like if Sho- Shohei Otani was just a pitcher, he's worth $35 million a year. Sure. I mean, Verlander you know, got 43. And if he's worth, and if he's a hitter, he's worth $35 Judge million. Judge got 40. But you, and you know exactly. that this is similar to the Watson situation that every owner in America right now in baseball is scared to death of what he could possibly get because that just raises the bar no, completely. He's such an outlier. It doesn't matter. I, I still think. I still think though that it's going to push all salaries up <sighs> another level. I think. And, he's... I, and granted, you're right. He is a unicorn that we don't see with other guys. But I, I just think that there's a fear factor involved because here's the other thing: you're going to get a couple teams that are going to be fighting at the end, and they're going to keep throwing money, and it's going to get to an outrageous number. But what's interesting is that of the 30 teams. How many will make a legitimate offer? The Angels, the Dodgers, Dodgers, the Dodgers Padres. Absolutely, well, I think the, I don't know if the Padres can. Although because I they have a Soto, I think they will. They made an offer for Judge after they got Bogarts. Yeah, I think they'll try. I think the Giants might. I think Giants. that's a good call. Yeah, I, I think, think the Giants might. The market's perfect too. I think. Yeah, I think the Yankees, Giants, Mets, Dodgers, Yankees. Cubs. I don't know about the Mets, but oh, the Mets will. 
Even Cohen, with all, even with all the crap they got on their, oh, their roster, sure. Cohen, yeah. Cohen like makes the owners mad with how reckless he is with the spin. I, I think the Cubs will make an offer, but I think they'll be so below it won't be a real offer. Yeah. And then look, I we saw it happen there. I I will keep saying Seattle until I'm wrong. Angels, Rangers. Yeah. I think I think both of those teams will be making offers. I think the Rangers will absolutely. Rangers are very aggressive in spending. Think that they signed two shortstops two years ago. They saying, signed take the two shortstops in Degrom's contract and say, "How much more can they take?" Gray's contract is big too. Dallas pretty big market, man. I don't know, man. Dallas pretty big market, and they're willing to spend. I think that they were willing to spend. I don't know that they can't still are. You think they're they're going to stop spending now that they're good? Big, the big contracts, I do. Uh, I, I, I think they'll see be. The, I think they'll try. I don't think they get them. I think they'll. I think they'll. I think it's more likely he gets traded to the Rangers. And then I would like say agree with that. As a rental, and then he goes elsewhere. Jordan AAV under 20. Christian Javier, now his contract looked way better a month ago than it does today, but still under $13 million. Javier a month ago was like, you know, potential on the brink Cy Young guy. Yep. Jordan's an MVP guy. I'm trading $13 million and $19 million AAV, that's $33 million, for Shohei Otani, who's going to get $60 million. So I'm getting Fromber. I'm getting Javier, and then I'm getting do the math on that $27 million that I can play with before yeah. I get Shohei Otani. No, it's a stupid trade. It's dumb. Very, very dumb. Probably. Bad take, even if you're talking about the contract extension. Bad take Boulevard. All right, let's move on. Another ESPN 97.5 host makes Bad Take Boulevard. Real quick, guess who it is? Cody Stutes. That is correct. Here's Cody Stutes with his latest bad take that gives him on the list. You know what I was thinking sitting there watching the Derby last night? I have... Got to see Jordan Alvarez in one of these. Oh, man. I have got to see Jordan Alvarez do this one time. And I feel like next year it's in Arlington, no? That's the perfect time if a healthy Jordan is available mm. to go do the home run derby. I got to see Jordan mm. do a home run derby before it's all said mm. and done. Yeah. Mm. Well, guess what? Go to batting practice at Minute Maid Park, pretend mm. it's a home run derby, and watch him take BP because it's the last thing you mm. want to see. How did uh, what did Jordan do to, to his oblique that say, forced him to the injured list for the last six weeks? Yeah, what's what was the he injury? doing? What was he doing? Batting in a cage. We want Jordan Alvarez to swing as hard as he possibly can for three straight minutes. For three straight minutes, well, you get one break, Jeremy, and you get a little game. You get a little time out. If he advances, he's going to do it for multiple rounds. I want Jordan Alvarez to not even think about this. I don't want to even think about Jordan Alvarez swinging with all of his might for three consecutive minutes, possibly more than one round. The same Jordan Alvarez that injured his oblique to cost him six weeks in a batting cage. The same Jordan Alvarez that got sent home from Tampa Bay with a sore neck that he never answered questions about. The same Jordan Alvarez that has chronic hand injuries. The same Jordan Alvarez that had to be hospitalized for smoke in Atlanta. And we want that guy swinging with all of his might for three consecutive minutes for maybe more than one round? No! If If you're an Astro fan, you don't want Jordan Alvarez close! You don't want him to watch the home run derby. If they change the rules... I would consider it. Like, if it was only 10 swings. I'm still out. He, hurt, yeah, he got hurt in a batting cage. I agree with Joe. I think that if it's if it's not speed batting and speed power hitting, exactly. I think that it's a lot easier to believe that the way he hits bombs, if you've ever seen him take batting practice, that the fact that it, as long as he's not rushing and he's just doing what he does in a batting cage at batting practice, mm-hmm. he'll hit enough bombs to actually be in the competition without having to strain himself. Yeah, like I, I so I would consider if they changed the rules dramatically. But look at the last two years: Julio Rodriguez hurt his back, Luis Robert hurt, get hurt. Like 
Your second, your runner-up. You just don't want that because you can't afford that. If you care about exactly. the Astros, and I'll concede to you that the old system way better than the new system in terms of injuries. But the, the if, kids and players. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But I'll. But I want Jordan Alvarez nowhere near nope, the I home. Agree. If 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 you're like if you're an Astro fan. You shouldn't want Jordan Alvarez participating in the home run derby. Same reason that we don't want Framber Valdez pitching on short rest to start an all-star game. Same reason that we like the WBC. We don't want the Astros to play in the WBC. Team before player. What are we talking about here? Uh, Jabari Smith. Great start to the Summer League, right? Jabari Smith said he wanted to win the MVP of the Summer League and win the Summer League title for the Houston Rockets. Why? And is it like just... All selfish reasons because the only guy in the history of the summer league, maybe two, I think I can name two, and you know me, I'm a little bit more extra on basketball than most. I can name two summer league Vegas MVPs that turned out to be something. Rudy Gobert and Kent Bazemore. Okay, they ended up getting roster spots. He was in Golden State first, and he had a couple of good years with them. Then he was Lakers in Atlanta. But other than that, like, what uh, for selfish reasons? I, you know, he said he's tired of losing, so he wins that MVP, and maybe the Rockets summer league team wins the summer league. Okay, what does that get you? Like, I understand. Like, if you're going to play, you want to be the best, but you don't need to be the summer league MVP. In fact, to play so well in your first two games that they shut you down. Yeah, <laughs> play maybe so well. That maybe they, they, they were like, uh, "That's the last thing we want him trying to do. Let's just make sure we put an end to that before yeah. he tries to do something stupid." Yeah, like there was a run. It looks like where summer league mattered. Blake Griffin, John Wall, Damian Lillard won summer league MVPs. I don't in even remember that. Years. That was a long time ago, though. We're talking about John Wall, Blake nine, Griffin. That's 9, 10, and 12, or 9, 10, and 11. It's decade old. I mean, the last winners are Keegan Murray, Cam Thomas, Davion Mitchell. I think Keegan Murray's going to be a player. Brandon Clark. I do, too. Da- da- Keegan Murray will be Davion good. Mitchell is a good defensive player. He's a good 3 and D guy. But, you know, when did Gobert won it, right? Uh, I actually don't see him on here. Yeah, Gobert won it a lot when he was just trying to make the league. It's probably before those guys even, because he he had played in a couple of them, and he was kind of like that fifth, twelfth man on the roster guy. And then all of a sudden, he had a coming out party at a, at a summer league, and they he went nuts. And then he got a max deal. It just doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. And they shut him down as soon as he said it. And I think that's why they shut him down. I think that's why they did. That's what I'm saying. I think that's exactly why. They did. I think I think he said it, and they were like, uh, you're "I was dumb, thinking buddy. about it when the Spurs won it all and they got a trophy." And that was Becky Hammond coaching them. Yeah, I remember that. Do you think that? Do you think that trophy's somewhere on display near the Spurs offices? Do you think you said, "Beck, take that home"? That's for you. Probably take it home. Yeah, I don't think that the Spurs want to display that one. Yeah, not very good. Uh, Bert Neff. Does name ring a bell with you guys? No, nope, sir. Bert Neff was the dude that was betting on LSU baseball after he got secret information and inside information from Alabama head coach. Uh, I forget his first name, but Bohannon. Rob Vaughn, the new head coach now at Alabama. Shout out on the Wildcats. But three people familiar with the investigation told SI that Neff wanted to bet more than $100,000 on a college baseball game that night, which far exceeds any sort of like house limits that they have on college baseball. He was telling them, basically, I have information and I really need to make this bet. Idiots. What a <laughs> dumbass. Like, I, I know so much about this game that I need to make this bet. I mean, not $100,000 is already, is already going like, to signal the alarm bells, but he flat out told them, I have information. I need to bet this game. Do you think that he gets nailed if he splits up all that money and has like five guys go different places? Just more, because of- Yeah, I do. More guys were actually trying. There was like a group of people that were trying to place bets. He was one yeah, of that's several. 
Yeah. yeah, that's not a good look. Ridiculous. Anything you guys want to add? No, I think you covered it. I think it was good. Robert Manfrod was my final one. I mean, he just lives on it. He lives on Bad Take Boulevard. This one was the uh, the challenge system for balls and strikes, which I've already said my piece on this. I hate the challenge system for balls and strikes. You guys didn't think that it was much, but um, I did find the Jack Easterby quote today a little bit. Uh, what did he say? I'm looking it back up for you because you thought it was just one of those inspirational quotes. He retweets inspirational quotes every day. I used to follow him. But I stopped following the, him. The one today. Were seemed... you required to follow him when you worked at the flagship? No, I did it for entertainment. <laughs> Six hours ago, he put out, Legacy is not simply an accumulation of what you accomplish. Legacy is what others are able to accomplish because of their overlap with you. That sounds to me like, hey, Texans fans and Texans organization, just remember, I laid the groundwork for the positivity going on right now. That's the way I took it because that's the sleazy d-bag that i'm talking about i don't i don't i don't i think it's joe like he retweets this kind of stuff every day i just he, i think he's just uh one of the worst people on the planet so that's okay. why but that's also why i think he's looking for a little cred here what are they celebrating the fact that he feels like they're, they're on the, the right they're in the right direction they got good picks they got a good coach they're doing things the right way the players are getting better i'm sure he's trying to take credit for that part of that I don't know. Like, go look at all his tweets. All his tweets are like very inspirational. What do you think? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Is Jack trying to take credit, or is just another? What's the guy from Saturday Night Live? Stuart uh, Smalley. Yeah, him. Just feeling good. Look at all these tweets. You like, the voices you listen to impact the choice you make. Leadership is a transfer of beliefs. If you don't hate it, you can't share it. Like it's, it's this is who he this is who he is. He retweets really weird things and says inspirational. Leadership things. is a job that you have to do like you've been there before, and when you don't, you don't. Yeah, I think he's just a weirdo. Uh, 713-780-ESP at HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. Do you have Shohei Otani fatigue? Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer bees are also known as Africanized bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. The Innsbruck did. Killer bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Do you have Shohei Otani fatigue? You want the latest rumors on Otani first, though, before we get into Shohei Otani fatigue? <laughs> really, if I have fatigue, if I say yes, then no. I have Shohei Otani fatigue. I'm, done, hit- I'm done hearing it because I don't think it's realistic. It hit me yesterday. Like I'm just, I love, and you know, I love Shohei Otani. He's my favorite non-Astro. He's probably my favorite non-Astro. I kind of liked Barry Bonds. So since Barry Bonds, like I love Shohei Otani. He's unique. You can make the case that Shohei Otani's having a year that might be the greatest single season in Major League Baseball history. Like the offensive numbers are ridiculous. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's ridiculous. Like Jose, Shohei Otani is ridiculous. But here, would you trade Tucker, Jordan, Javier, Bregman for Shohei Otani? Like I'm getting tired of those conversations. I don't think Shohei Otani is even going to be traded at the deadline because I think the Angels are going to want a lot, rightfully so, and that no team's going to be willing to trade that for Otani, who's very likely to be a rental. I'm intrigued to see the, the free agency, like hot stove in the offseason. I'm very intrigued to see what that looks like. But as of right now, I am sick and tired of, of hearing about Shohei Otani and these outrageous proposals that we have to read and listen to every single day. I'm with you. I just think, like I said, I don't think it's realistic. I don't think it's what the Astros need. I think we've 
We've clearly pointed out the reasons why, and and that that's not what a team like the Astros need, as opposed to teams chasing what the Astros have done. And I think that in the position that you're in, if you want the longevity that the Astros are still anticipating is going to happen for the next several years, I don't think it's the right move because I don't think he wants to sign here, and I don't think that you're going to get him. And if you do, it's going to be at such a debilitating price that it's going to affect a lot of who's on your roster and who you want on your roster in the future. So, yeah, I'm sick and tired of hearing it as it relates. I'm curious to see if the Angels are going to trade him. I don't think that they are. I, I don't. My prediction, I think that they should. I think they absolutely should. I don't think they are. With the injuries the Angels now experiencing again, I think that it's interesting to see if they don't have a change of heart and realize, hey, you're probably not getting there again, or if you do, you're going to be limping in that it's probably smart to, but I don't know that the Angels do smart things. So I don't know that they will do it. But like I said, my brother-in-law, Mike, who lives out in uh, in California, said it was really interesting to him, even before the year started, all the promos that involved Otani bobbleheads, Otani giveaways, all were set up before, like, July 4th, just because, or the mid-July, because they knew that they didn't want any in August because there was a chance that he would not be an Angel. Yeah, it makes sense, especially if you're doing that stuff, like, before the year to not do it. And... Again, I think they'd be wise to trade I Shohei Otani. I think that we've even heard that Artie Marino don't want to be the owner that traded Shohei Otani. The Angels are still kind of hovering in the race. They've been playing. They limped into the All-Star break. They lost five in a row, but they're still only five games back of the wild card. Um, and plus, I don't think anybody's going to pay the ransom that the Angels are going to feel they need to trade a Shohei Otani. And then I also think the Angels really want him back. And I feel the Angels think that if they trade Shohei Otani, it might cost him a 10% chance to re-sign him back. Yeah, and I think that if he likes where he goes or he you know, he really figures out some things when he leaves that there are greener pastures elsewhere, not just because of the money to be paid, but the brand of baseball he could be a part of, that it might be scary for them. Because you know, if that's all he knows right now and he knows Mike Trout's in center field and you know that they have, they've spent a lot of money on a, on a Rondon and, and some other guys on their roster... You know, maybe there's a better chance he stays if he doesn't leave, but I just think that there's such a great high percentage of a chance of him going somewhere else that you can't risk it. I think you trade him and then just decide, hey, if you still want to take a spin at it, go ahead. But I think Moreno really wants to rebuild. You're right. The one thing that scares him is he doesn't want he doesn't want to be like the Washington ownership that said they wanted to sell the team before they traded Soto because they didn't want it on their their last moves made as owners. And the new owners didn't want to be the team that traded take over ownership and trade Soto. Sometimes you just got to make a business decision. No, I, I would. I'm with you. I would. If you're a Houston Astros fan, though, you, you shouldn't want Otani traded. Like, oh, I agree. We, we've talked a lot about, oh, yeah, show A to the Astros. One, like if there is a chance of it happening, it's closer to zero than it is one. But you should want him to stay with the Angels because – if you do trade Shohei Otani and you're the Angels, it's, I think, going to replenish that farm pretty good. Now, all of a sudden, you have an Angels who's been a mediocre team for a very long time. They're going to get some pieces back that's going to enhance their future quite a bit. Secondly, who is he getting traded to? Is he going to the Rangers? Is he going to the Mariners? Is he going to the Yankees? And now, all of a sudden, a team that you didn't fear before in the postseason, you might fear now because no one fears the Angels. Here was Buster Olney on the, the latest on the Shohei Otani market. Well, you start with the Yankees, the Yankees, the Yankees, the Yankees, (laughs) the Rangers, the Rays, maybe a small handful of teams, but there's no doubt. You talked with sources yesterday. They see the Yankees as potentially being the most motivated because Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, 
They're middle-aged players right in the, the prime of their careers. This is the Yankees' window to win now. You bring in Otani, suddenly the Yankees' rotation with him involved looks so strong. Otani hitting in Yankee Stadium, which favors left-handed sluggers. That's uh, something I'm sure the Yankees would be willing to pay for if Otani is made available by the Angels. I, I don't I think, want Otani in New York. <laughs> no, and I think that's exactly where I was at. I mean, I understand that you don't want the Angels getting better for the long term or potentially getting prospects that can make them better for the long term. The biggest thing to me is I don't want teams that you're going to see somewhere down the road. If it's an American League team like the Rangers or the Yankees or the Rays, I don't want to see it. If it's a National League team that you think suddenly it makes a, a, a fair to mediocre winning team like the Dodgers, that's right, I said it to you, Key. Um, I, I don't want it. I, I don't want to see teams that are already good try and get closer to being great. I like them more in the in L.A. than I do any I don't American think LA's good team. enough anyway, the, the, just the way they're set up and constructed this year. But maybe that was done intentionally because loading the deck seems to have already made sure that the cards folded every year for the Dodgers except for the uh, the gimmick year. So I think, yeah, the Yankees, I don't want to say it scares me. I don't like it because now a team that I've almost been basically written off for the rest right. of this season is, is relevant again. Judge and Shohei in the same lineup is terrifying, to be completely honest. Whether Stanton plays or not, it's un, it's a game changer. Stan doesn't frighten me because he can't hit decent pitching. But like, if you told me that Otani was traded, I would take the Dodgers because that means he's not in the American League. And if you're facing Otani in the postseason, well, it's cool. You're facing him in a World Series, that'd be a lot of fun. I would take a World Series appearance right now. New York, I don't want that. Seattle, I don't want that. The Rangers... Certainly don't want that. Angels, hang on to Shohei Otani. Keep Shohei Otani. If you're an Astros fan, do everything you can to to send the good wishes to the Angels to to keep their star. Keep Shohei I mean, Otani in Anaheim. I get what you're saying about not wanting to go to the Dodgers, but also I don't get it because suddenly that team, when you talk about Freeman and J.D. Martinez is, is hitting oh, a they're ton good, of bombs. And Dodgers Mookie are Rangers. And, oh, for sure. I mean, I understand it makes the Rangers better. I don't know. Dodgers or Mariners. I, Dodgers or Yankees? The Mariners don't bother me. Dodgers are so bo- far the, down on my list. The Yankees bother me the most. The Yankees, yeah, it bother me too because it's like, oh, Yankee fans are annoying. But Rangers, you're trying to catch the Rangers. Sure. I don't want them to have Shohei. Mariners are, are like, they kind of beat up on you going into the All Star break. Now they did have a stacked rotation. That was their World Series, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, I was in Houston though. Still, it's part of their World four. Series. Yes, if you're gonna, if they're gonna trade, I don't want them to trade Shohei. Keep keep Shohei in Anaheim. But if you're going gonna, to trade him, send him to L.A. That's fine. Like, yeah, I think you keep, keep him out of the A.L. LA, uh, with the Angels, you guarantee that he's probably just going to go away and it's going to be a quiet exit. Exactly. He's not. He's a non-factor. Right. He's a non-factor. Now, if he's the Dodgers, well, at least it's a factor, but it's a factor in the World Series. These other teams, it's pre-World Series. Uh, happy 713 Day. It is 713 Day. We know about the 713 connection for the Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud, Tank Dell. How significant... Is that connection going to be in their rookie years? How many TDs do you think C.J. Stroud and Tank Dell will have this season? 713-780-3776. Killer Beast, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5.